This episode and all of our Sundance coverage is brought to you by Rode Microphones. Hi, I'm Emily Booter, and you're listening to the No Film School podcast. Today, I'm speaking with David Ethan Shapiro, CEO and founder of Starlight Studios, a production company based in L.A. Most recently, he produced Kristen Stewart's directorial debut, Come Swim, a surreal, almost Lynchian short film that premiered at Sundance this January. David and I met at NYU, where we were in film school together. He very quickly became known as the go-to producer in my year, and he's a really nice guy to boot. A day after the Come Swim premiere at Sundance, I caught up with David and the editor of Come Swim, Jakob Schulzinger. Jakob has edited Lars von Trier's films, as well as Force Majeure, one of my favorite films of 2014, which famously got snubbed at the Oscars. You might remember watching a video of the director, Ruben Oslin, freaking out about that. It went viral and was amazing. Jakob, David, and I talked about a whole host of things, including how to start your own production company, how David started working with Kristen Stewart and why it changed his career, why it's important for an editor to be involved in the writing process with the director, and why the best films are made when you're trying to recreate your film school experience. Um, so do you guys just want to start by introducing yourselves? Uh, I'm David Ethan Shapiro. I'm the producer at Come Swim and uh, the CEO of Starlight Studios. And I'm Jakob Schulzinger, and I'm the editor of Come Swim, and a very nice guy. Yeah, very <laughs> I nice. can tell already. <laughs> I'm pretty nice, too. Yes. He's, he's nicer, though. <laughs> I'll be the judge by the end of this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so what was like the inception of this film? How did you guys first hook up with Kristen in order to um, get the project rolling? I was directing a pilot a couple years ago right out of NYU. And um, one of her friends, we had a mutual friend that was on set, the pilot. And they were like a PA and they, they knew that Kristen was looking to direct a music video, but she wanted to kind of direct it with a partner. Um, and so I almost went in like an audition where I, they thought I'd be a good fit. And so I went and met Kristen and, um, we clicked pretty quickly. Uh, this was, I guess, three years ago, maybe a little more. Um, and so we co-directed a music video together. Um, and as we were doing that, we talked about other projects that we wanted to work on together. And, um, there were kind of a couple ones that we were developing simultaneously, and this one kind of, uh, I guess, uh, you know, she really felt this this uh, urge and need to make it. Yeah, so we developed it for like a year and a half, and um, really over the last year is when it's been like intensive work on it. What was the process of development like? Because there isn't much dialogue. It's, it's very yeah. much an internal experience. Well, that's something I'm really excited about is I think that um, it's a very sensory, experiential film. I think that it's uh, when when actors direct. Sometimes I think the first assumption is like, oh, so it's probably like a actor's piece, or, like theatrical. Yeah, yeah. Whereas this one, I think, is from the first shot. I think it's very cinematic. I think Kristen really speaks a cinematic language. And um, having worked with her, directed with her, I kind of got a sense of how she operated and kind of what her language was in terms of creatively. So it started with a poem. Uh, the, the early iteration of it were poems. Interesting. Um, and, Which poems? And poems that Kristen wrote. Oh, um, wow. And so there was an early draft that was kind of like somewhere between a poem and a script. 
um, or maybe more of a poem and an outline, and um, then kind of different iterations. Um, and as she wrote, she also uh, painted, um, and there's a painting that actually plays a critical role in the film, um, but she painted the opening shot, or I guess what was the opening shot in post-production, you kind of you know change it. Um, he, he'll speak more to that. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, th- I think that there was definitely like a two-month period where my role, I felt like, was just kind of nurturing and supporting Kristen. And I guess I'm, I'm, we're, she's a very, uh, she's very present when you're together. And I think what I was able to provide is, I, I have a pretty regimented, disciplined writing system, so I kind of broke it down into note cards. And we had meetings where we really just would lay out note cards on our kitchen floor. And um, yeah, uh, but I think that the main thing, it's like what you said, is it really was image-based. And I think that to me, I had to kind of give in to this element of allowing it to be abstract, but still kind of having, at least for the purpose of a script, having some math to it, which is to say like, you know, I almost look at it almost like music more. Yeah, I can imagine as a producer, working in an abstract realm is probably much more difficult than working. Yeah, the the, the thing that I found um, was, and I feel very lucky, is I'm also, you know, she's a close friend. And so I knew kind of the kernel of the idea, what the impetus was to get the movie made. And my thought was just throughout the whole creative process, just staying true to that idea and that feeling. Um, and, and, uh, because you are kind of like cutting, you like have a machete and you're cutting through the woods and there's not quite, quite a clear path, but you're trusting in the idea. And, you know, it's a really singular vision. It's very, very specific. So a lot of that was just surrounding her with the right people. We took a lot of um, careful consideration in terms of picking the team out because um, the tone is very specific. And um, How did you communicate the tone to potential team members? Um, well, Kristen, uh, the final script... Um, you know, people would read it, but then I know Kristen loves reading it to people, um, and That's she's awesome. very good at doing that too. And I think that well, first, it's it's very clear once you speak to Kristen about it that it was like a, a project she needed to make. You know, um, and in terms of tone, I, music is a significant element. You know, there were Spotify playlists, and um, you know, Kristen's she she's kind of privately a very very talented musician. Um, she plays several instruments, and I know I'd embarrass her saying this, but she's uh, she's very musically inclined, and you can see that in a couple of films, The Runaways, Into the Wild. Um, you know, she's very talented at that, and she I think that that musicality, that understanding of rhythm, um, helped her in communicating um, to team members. And you mentioned that many of the team members were actually former um, people that you went to film school with at NYU. Yes. You know, it's funny, because I've been making movies since I was, like, 10. And that's part of why Kristen and I clicked a lot, I think, is, you know, she's been on set since she was 10. She was, like, on David Fincher sets. And, frankly, when she was on those sets, she'd tell people, like, oh, I want to be a film director, like Jodie Foster. And then, you know, she kind of found her path to that. But, um, so so the crew, is funny, there are a lot of people from different phases of my life. Someone that I went to middle school and high school with, and as I would kind of shoot movies, and I put them on the morning announcements, and I had a, I founded a film festival at my high school. Um, he uh, he was one of the associate producers slash UPMs, um, and then uh, kind of my key team. A lot of them are from NYU. Um, I think that was the biggest thing I got out of film school were the people that I met, and um, because I think that when you get into when you move to LA. Um, <laughs> 
so much of it is finding your people, you know, finding people that not just are skilled and talented, but that you're able to work with creatively in a comfortable way and that you can trust. And, um, uh, yeah, major, I mean, there's so many talented people from NYU that worked on this. Um, Mel Shaw, she's the assistant editor. She's a great director in her own right. She had a film at Tribeca last year. Um, my my business partner Tony Anthony DiGiacomo, he was my producer at NYU. He was like the guy that like woke up at five a.m. and picked up the van, and the last guy packing up equipment. I feel like everyone needs a Tony, and he kind of <laughs> is just uh, he has my back always. And um, uh, yeah, I mean the script supervisor. The uh, there's so many people were at NYU, and I always try to kind of keep it. Um, I don't know. I've, there's a familial element to working with kind of people you went to school with and um i certainly uh that's something nyu definitely did right is i think that when you leave tish you do feel a certain sense of community yeah i feel that too just being in the independent film community everywhere i go is someone i went to school with which i think is pretty unique absolutely and um a lot of them seem to be interested in making the same types of movies. Too. Yeah, that's lucky. And the thing is, too, you know, for me, it was so hard from like where I am right now to film school. If I think of that, it's like a blur of hard work and like struggle. And it's almost like you're trying to recreate your film school experience where you could have this incubated world where you're just making your movies. And you have creative uh, control. Yeah. And, and with people that you love. So it's like, I guess there is a certain thing I'm chasing of trying to <laughs> just get back to that a little bit in terms of <laughs> do it professionally and you know um yeah well this to me very much feels like the kind of film that you would make in such an incubated environment because it doesn't seem like it's pandering to anything it's very much it's open to interpretation so that was something that was really important to me was this being Kristen's first film that filmmaking debut you know she had done the music video that we did but I learned from that experience that, you know, um, surrounding Kristen with some colleagues that are her age so that, you know, she felt that she was growing with them. And then on this film also, we had an amazing team, you know, obviously Jakob and, um, you know, just these incredibly talented professionals um, uh, and kind of industry veterans. But, um, yeah, I think that uh, I was trying to, that was frankly my initial pitch to Kristen was that I wanted to make it like a film school for her. Um, like I wanted this to feel like her film school. That's awesome. So when you were initially planning out production in terms of the schedule and locations, were there any challenges that you anticipated that wound up kind of throwing you for a loop? Yeah, well, the biggest thing with this movie was Kristen wanted to do everything practically, as did the cinematographer John Galisarian. Uh, so that entailed everything from underwater photography to rain towers to... Uh, uh, we shot phantom photography of waves, of like really big waves. Uh, that was the beginning shot? That's the opening shot. So we like, uh, frankly, finding the right footage was big, you know, and what we did is we found there's an underwater photographer named Chris Bryan that's based in Australia. And we shot some underwater photography in Sydney. Like that opening shot is Sydney. And then what he would do is he also would get commercial work. And as he would do his commercial work, I kind of convinced him to take a day at the end of like, he was shooting a commercial in Tahiti. And I was like, if you could give a day, just get us some footage from Tahiti. Um, so the biggest thing was finding the, the footage Kristen had in mind and it not being visual effects. Like that opening shot is real, you know? And it almost looks like it could be fake. Yeah. But it's real. So I guess the biggest thing was the practical kind of approach, even in terms of special effects makeup. The special effects makeup, it's almost like a monster movie in terms of special effects makeup. Uh, 
and so that was a challenge and also the other thing is like it's, it's a short film so you always have the same challenges of you can't pay your crew very much money if anything and um yeah, so that was kind of the, the biggest things. But um, How did you get financing in place for this? So I, I kind of scratched around for it for a little bit. Um, I kind of went to a couple of different firms. Um, the music video we had done, we had found, it was called like the Buffalo Blank Check Series, and that worked pretty well. We were happy with it and happy with kind of the experience. So I was looking for something a little similar, but um, so I... I, I uh, Frankly, I saw the press release from Sundance about, I think it was last year, from Sh- Shatterbox, uh, that that press release. And I had already, at that point, it had already been a couple of months where um, I had looked for respective sources and found some potential options. But the one, what I really liked about Shatterbox is they, they had an infrastructure in terms of um, they're partnered with uh, the heads of killer films um, and... Uh, it, it just felt right, so I, I you know, I, I had my representation reach out to Refinery, and then I started that conversation. And when it was ready, I presented it to Kristen. Um, but you know, the, the biggest thing to me was Kristen having creative control and pretty much doing precisely what she wanted to do with the film. And so that did require me. There are other partners in addition to Refinery in terms of we had to find finishing funds, and I was able to, you know, it's like you have three weeks to go find. X amount of money for private capital, and I was able to do that. Um, That's a tough thing to do. I learned it from film school because I never had money to fund <laughs> my own movies, so I had to learn how to raise money. And it's something that I think is really important: is being learning the skill of how to raise money and close those deals. If you because if you're able to do it, you retain control. Um, and it, it's, I feel like I, there's a producer I really like that Kristen works with named Charles Gillibert, who did Clouds of Sils Marie. And um, he, he says the best directors are producers as well. And I think it's true. Absolutely. If you were to give any, someone any advice about, about raising money, like the right way to do it versus the wrong way to do it, um, based on experience, what would you say? Have no shame. That's the biggest thing is I think there's a shame some people feel when they ask for money. No one likes asking for money. You just do it. And just really, it's like iterative practice. It's like people who, I mean, this is not quite the same, but like cold calls, feeling okay with that because you're doing it in pursuit of something that's more meaningful than whatever, you know, momentary embarrassment you may feel. Yeah, it's almost as if you have to get over that power imbalance. I always ask, this is kind of a dumb thing, but, you know, it's, I always ask myself in any situation, like, what would you do if you were not afraid? And usually the answer is, like, you do the thing you want to do. Yeah. And I think in these cases, um, the other thing I'd find, too, is, that, you know, like, in this case, this was, there's so many outlets now that are, you know, outside of the traditional studio system where there are so many opportunities, you just have to seek them out. And, um, but yeah, to me, before doing that, being able to ask for private capital from friends of friends, family friends, just learning that being okay with that will prepare you very well to when you sit and make deals with respective partners because you know in the back of your head that if you really needed to, you don't need these people, you can go find the money yourself. That's great. It kind of lowers the stakes a bit. Yeah. Well, it also it gives you. 
I mean, the other thing too is you have to be prepared to like walk away from, I don't know, these are the little things I've learned, but like being prepared to walk away from a deal, even if you really need the money. Like in the back of my head being like, oh, I 100% need this money. But being a, a okay to just kind of be like, it's a moving train. Like I gotta, you know, and I don't know, you learn kind of uh, believing that you were making your movie. Like you really can will it to life. You absolutely can. And it's absolutely, truly believing that you are making your movie. And I think that respective partners that might have capital, when they see that, they believe it too. So bringing your passion into the room with you and your vision. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it too is, is uh, if you keep doing that over time, ultimately it breaks, right? Whatever obstacles in front of you. Um, you know, with Kristen's film, it took a couple years. Uh with this feature I'm doing, it's taken a couple of years too. It's uh, just keep going right every day. And things do take they take time in this industry. I think people get very discouraged when they when they do, but it's it's kind of just a cornerstone of the industry. I've found in my experience that it's like you take a lot of time and then it happens and it happens so fast and you just have to be prepared for it where it's like oh i always thought i was gonna have like seven months to storyboard or something but then it's like oh no i have to make this right now and strike while the iron's hot but it's like you know like with this one it was like two years of like development and kind of talking and then it was like five to six months of like intensity and i think similarly i'm feeling that with another project i'm doing and um, but not just like committing to like, you don't wait for the perfect time in terms of, um, you trust the prep work you did and the time helps in terms of creatively being able to return to something. Um, yeah, I don't know. I found it to be really helpful. So in a film like this, editorial process is really important. This it could have been many different films, you know, when you don't have a lot of dialogue and you have a lot of mise-en-scene, you have a lot of, um, options and ways that you can go. So how did you guys wound up meeting each other? One of the partners on this film is Scott Free. Um, they were super supportive of us, specifically the executive producer, Mike Pruss. And after we had locked financing and locked um, some, you know, locked a, a couple of initial decisions, Kristen had worked with Mike on a film called Equals. And she's like, you know, it'd be nice to have him kind of just as a mentor and an advisor. And he became a real critical partner on the film. And... So I'll just well, no, he's amazing. Like I really, really do think that guy is special. But um, so through Scott Free, they also have a uh, a commercial division called RSA, and they had recently done a commercial with Jakob. And um, we looked through a lot of editors. And for me, Force Majeure is one of my favorite movies the last like ten years. I have to say, me too. <laughs> yeah, I'm obsessed with it. And I think that for me, I saw similarities just in terms of the way it used. It was elemental. And um, I made Kristen, Kristen hadn't seen it, and I made her watch it. And literally, she texted me, she goes, this is one of my favorite movies I've ever seen. Well, even, um, I'm thinking, um, the Avalanche shot reminds me a lot of the opening shot. Yeah, uh, trust me, I really, like, thoroughly thought about reference points for films. And for me, Force Majeure, I made Kristen watch as a creative kind of reference. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I love so much of Jakob's work. I think I feel so fortunate to have worked with him, and I know Kristen feels the same way. I think he's, I mean, I'll let him speak, but he's hes one of the best editors working today. Am I, I mean, I, yeah, I'll let him speak. He's hes amazing. I think you're doing a really good job. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I'll tell, I will say really quickly, the thing about Jakob that I loved and I knew instantly because, you know, he was in Denmark, so we couldn't do like a meeting in person. But Force Majeure and his other films, Take Me to the River, Nymphomaniac, 
definitely made us feel like, oh, this is a man that can take singular visions and make them permeable to audiences. And I knew that Kristen's film was very specific and singular, and I knew that she needed a partner that could help her execute that. Um, and and um, when he and Kristen first spoke, kind of their first meeting, I, I'll never forget it. It was like an hour, and he really put her to the fire in terms <laughs> of like, he was really saying like, well, if I was an audience member, and I was like, Kristen, this is 100% what you need, you know? And she felt the same way, someone that would ask the right questions. Because with a film like this, sometimes it's easy to get lost in, I don't wanna say lost in the poetry of it, but you know, you wanna make sure you're making something that- um, That translates. Yeah, and I think that, uh, Jakob is uniquely gifted at kind of taking visions that are specific and executing the best possible version of those. So Jakob, can you tell me a little bit about what that process was like? The editing process? Yes. Oh, where to start? You have to ask me more questions because <laughs> I'm very, like, I just show up and I do the work. So for me, it's... Do you have many conversations before you touch the footage? I kind of like to talk a lot because I have to understand what's going on. Because like you said, you can do anything with any footage. There's like endless possibilities. So I have to try to understand what, sh what it's about. And even when you do, in my opinion, when you do abstract things, it's helpful for me to understand what motivated these abstract thoughts. And I don't need to have answers. I don't need to know what the movie is ex like about, but I need to know something otherwise like, like a, a, an original feeling a feeling an emotion and we talked a lot and I have I have ideas what I think this movie is about from what Kristen told me and from looking at the footage and that's how I try to put it together and come with suggestions for her and and so on would you mind telling me what those are and how you they translate it to the film it is like a experimental movie there are certain ideas about I think f I can say what I think it's about. That'd be great. I think it's a portrayal of a of a certain emotional stage, which could be either a depressive stage or it could be any kind of emotional state where you are at the end of it and you kind of see the light. So I think it's that transition between two emotional stages, um, and that's how I found that out through just talking and questioning her choices. Kristen is very energetic and has, she's very clear on what she wants to do. So, but you have to like kind of get up to speed with her because she's been into this for so long. So you kind of have to ask questions about, so why do you want to do this? What is the idea of this? What is, and then when you understand that, then you can kind of help her. What was the process of watching cuts and iterating based on those cuts like? That was like, when I came, Melanie Shaw, who was the assistant editor, had done a first cut with Kristen, where I think they pretty much did like a first pass of it. And then I had a, I talked a lot with Kristen about what it was about and asked her a lot about the cut. And then I had a few days to do like my take on it. And then I did a lot of things that I think Kristen liked. And then from there, she had a lot of adjustments. And then we just, then you just take it day from day. It's like, it's a very, it's like when you write, I guess. You write something, you have to go from A to C, and then you watch it, and then you make assumptions, and or you get ideas, and then you do them. I've always felt like the editing is kind of like, you have different phases, you make a plan, then you execute it, and then you evaluate it, and then you come up with a new idea, and that becomes a plan, and then you execute it. And the challenge is not to mix those three different phases together because then it gets messy. So you kind of have to like do it one step at a time. Do you think you learned anything about your 
proclivity in, to, in the editing process or your creative abilities doing this project? I think I learned something. Every time you do a movie, it's different. And for me, it's always, every time I do a movie, I start off feeling like I don't know how to edit and all these people think I'm good at it and <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. And then you realize once you're editing, oh, I do have like opinions and I have taste and I have things I like and I have ideas. And then you realize, so I feel like every time you realize you, you know how to do your job, but you have to do your job to realize it. And every f film you start over again in a weird way. But you always have some experience from previous that kind of sneaks up on you and you realize, oh, I am actually, I know how to do this. So that's how it is for me, at least. Yeah, I think there are a lot of parallels to writing, as you said before, um, because to me, sometimes writing feels like reinventing the wheel based on previous experiences. Yeah. So it's like some weird mixture between um, a completely like empty space and a vacuum and all the skills and knowledge you have from the past. And also a little bit often, the tricky thing for me with filmmaking in general and why it was also pleasant to work with Kristen is that there's a, especially in the editing, there's a tendency that it becomes like a negative experience because you're fixing problems. So it's very nice to work with editors that, or with directors that are energetic and like positive and are excited. And Kristen is very excited, very positive and very energetic. And that's very helpful in an editing process to like somehow focus your energy on like, well, this we can make even better, yay, instead of like, oh, fuck, this scene still doesn't work, or this, uh, then it becomes a very unpleasant experience. It's almost like you have to think about it in terms of possibilities rather than things lost. Yeah, exactly. And you have to be excited about doing it. And you're constantly making it better. This episode and all of our Sundance coverage is brought to you by Rode Microphones, 100% Australian-owned and made professional microphones for studio and broadcast. And My Road Real, the world's largest short film competition. Now in its fourth year running, with over 500,000 prizes given away so far, My Road Real is back, bigger and better, in 2017. More films, new judges, and more prizes. To view past winners and register for 2017, head to myroadreel.com and sign up now. Um, David, did you ever give any notes on specific cuts? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, what I found, though, is I, I did something. I always, I guess as Kristen and I continue to work together, it's like I continue to determine um, when it's helpful for me to be present and when it's smart to step away and kind of be to invisible. In oh, I think it's a critical part of producing is knowing, like, not being there in terms of not making your presence known but allowing them to know that when they need something, you are there, you know? And, and I think that in this case, um, a lot of my work was done in development. You know, I feel like a lot of my work was done in the script stage. And um, by the time, you know, Mel is someone I'd worked with, or I, I'd been very familiar with her work and I really trusted. Um, so when they did a first assembly, I did make the dumb mistake of, of perhaps of having very specific notes. And what I found was as soon as Jakob stepped in, it was pointless because I was like, oh, he answered all my notes. But I, he's also exceptionally good. But um, uh, yeah, you know, I think that I, I kind of, it's just watching the process. And uh, I certainly, you know, voiced my opinions when I had them. But um, uh, I think that the unit of Jakob, Melanie Shaw, and Kristen was a very, like my work was putting that unit together. 
I also think like one of the reasons like you can always use an editor with notes. I think I I I love notes. I don't have an issue with notes because I think you have to you know some notes are good and some notes are dumb, but the intention is always good. No one would ever waste a minute giving notes if they didn't want to help. So you're always getting help, but I think when you are a director, you have so much on your mind and it can be stressful to have to like cater to other people's note when you are in the middle of trying to just get what you have in your head up on the screen. And as an editor, it's a lot easier. So I think you can always, I can always read notes and I can always find out when is the right moment to address it. But I think like a thing that's very helpful in the editing process is you have to let the director empty their head of ideas because they need, it's their film. They have to empty their head from all the ideas and all the thoughts and all the little changes they want to make. And as soon as it's empty, then they are also desperate to have suggestions and notes and then they want help. But if you come in too early, then it's like, obviously they're not ready for it. Yeah, I so, agree the timing of notes. So is timing is, thing. but notes are great. Yeah. Of course they're great. Any help you can get, it's like a collaborative process. And um, So I want to talk a little bit about your production company sure. that's behind this film and that you founded a year after you graduated from Yeah, I founded pretty quickly after graduating. I guess it was like a year. Um, after school, I took a year off. I was like a monk. Uh, I moved <laughs> home because I had no money. And I just wrote scripts. Like I just kept writing and writing because I just I figured that you know, with all these new cameras and DSLRs, everyone can shoot stuff that looks pretty good. But the thing that you can never, that there's no tricks around is writing a good feature script. Like they're still trying to figure that out at the top level. How there's to not a science. <laughs> yeah, and just how to crack that and how to just tell a good story. So for me, I really focused on writing and one of my scripts went through the Nickel Fellowship, which was helpful. And um, I think that uh, a lot of my team, specifically Tony DiGiacomo um, from, uh, college um you're you know, a band guy yeah yeah we we had some two short films um and some other work and uh i guess we just wanted a banner i wanted i i, I for me the production companies that i really enjoy and, and respect and, and inspire me uh are ones where all their movies can kind of be on a bookshelf and it feels like it came from the same author where there is a certain brand there even if it's not easily defined even if it's a feeling um, and and I guess that's I, I saw it almost as sounds corny but almost like a work of art in itself um, also you balance that with the painful reality of having to keep the lights on um, so you know I, I was I found it useful in terms of branding we also have an animation department we've done animation and I found um, this great animator named Jacob Kafka so he we we've done some animation with him and um, yeah, I think it's, it's, I wanted an infrastructure to create the things that I wanted to do and do it with the people that I really like working with. Um, and I also found it useful in terms of like raising money and things of that nature, having a central point. Um, yeah, and it's something, it's, I, I consider it like my life's work. I know I'm young, but in a way where. So what were the first steps that you took to coalescing the production company into an entity? I mean, I found it in my bedroom in Arizona, and Tony was in his bedroom in New Jersey, and we it was founded via video conferencing, you know? It's like, I mean, it's different now. Like, if you, there's no excuses. Like, you can start a company by video conferencing and by staying in touch with people digitally and just cutting your overhead. Um, and that's really how it began, is I just was in my parents' bedroom, and then, then I went and moved and lived with my grandparents right outside of LA and like when I first worked with Kristen man I was commuting from like Anaheim I was you know I was struggling and it was uh 
but the the moment you can pay your bills and do it just from the work you care about, it's all worth it in terms of there's no feeling quite like being able to buy your groceries with like money from work that you are proud of and that you love. And you can't do that without dedicating X amount of hours to it. So it was, uh, I mean, there was all, there's always kind of a struggle period in the first year is usually the hardest. But um, And then you find kind of the nuances of how to keep the lights on and how to keep you know we have two full-time employees um and then we have the rest of the people are kind of consultants and partners on respective per project um and just making sure that everyone can kind of keep their head above water and keep surviving too do you do commercials in order we do we have done commercial work we did uh, a campaign for snapchat that was successful and um kind of allowed us other opportunities and um but again i try to be specific I mean, I maybe I, there's sometimes when I feel like I should have taken that opportunity because it would have helped me have X amount of money in my bank account. But I, uh, it was worth it for waiting to find the, in my opinion, thus far, um, for waiting to find the commercials that felt like I wasn't just selling something, but actually had something meaningful to say. Because um, I also think those are better commercials. Um, so we have done commercial work and uh, starlightstudios.tv, you can check them out. And um, I think right now we're very focused on narrative. Um, because for whatever we found some type of equation that allows us to live and you know buy our groceries while also doing narrative work and um, we have like two upcoming projects that are certainly uh, taking up a lot of our time yeah tell me about those Uh, so one of them is Kristen's next thing Um, and um, I can't I don't want to say too much about it but what I can say is that we're she wrote the it initially before she wrote, or at least at the same time that she wrote Come Swim. I actually thought we were going to make that one first, but then Come Swim, she just really felt this urgent need. It's a little more politically inclined, and I think that, you know, she certainly had a very visceral response to the, you know, current political landscape, and I think she feels a real need to make it right now. Um, it's a, it, similarly to kind of how we worked with Annie Clark on Come Swim, it's going to require a partnership with a really great musician that kind of speaks the same language with Kristen. So right now the work is frankly script work and and finding the right partners for it. Um, But we are in talks with respective partners and hopefully there'll be some news on it soon. And then the other one is a feature film that is adapted from my NYU short that I wrote and directed, one of them. And uh, it's called The Last Maccabee. It went through the Nickel Fellowship uh, and I've been working on it for five years. And I'm shooting it this year, and I've been working on it with Jakob, actually, uh, for uh, creative. He's been very helpful in terms of script work. And it's something I've been working on with Kristen. And what's been great in terms of working with Kristen on it is when we were doing Come Swim in the summer, there were weeks when, you know, we'd do a production meeting in the morning, then we'd work on writing for a couple hours on on Maccabee, and then we'd go and kind of switch hats to another thing. And it was kind of nice to be doing development and pre-production at the same time, and kind of when she's directing, when I'm directing. Um, so yeah, that, the Maccabee is certainly a passion project of mine, and uh, it'll be my feature directorial debut, and then I also wrote. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> it's interesting to hear that you are you two are working together on during the development phase because I think there's immense value in writing with an editor's voice in your head, you know, and um what have you learned from that process? If I'm I mean if he'll, if he'll take me, I'd love to work with him for the rest of my life. I mean, I think he's uh he's it's funny, man, cuz it's there's some people where you meet them and they feel like an old friend or someone that you uh I, he's just someone that really speaks the same language as me and someone I've, I uh, 
personally I really uh, connect with. But, you know, you're vulnerable when you write and you want to share it with people sometimes that are what, a lot of times sometimes people will give you notes and it's for a movie that they think would be better rather than the movie you want to make. Um, and I think what I found that's great about Jakob is he knows how to take a director's vision and support it. He's a filmmaker himself. I certainly see him as a filmmaker. Um, and so for me, I see it, it has to start in the end, like the writing process. It would be a waste of his talents to not have him in that process. I mean, like uh, there are so many times where I feel like you make decisions in the editing room that uh, had you had certain conversations earlier on, you would save time and money and um, reshoots if they're needed. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that the conversations you have in writing are very similar to the conversations you have in editing. About intention. Yeah. And story. And um, yeah, he also, uh, uh, he has a lot of great ideas. So I've, I've certainly really enjoyed the process thus far. And I enjoy it a lot. It's fun to have ideas where you don't have to actually do the work right after. Where <laughs> in editing, you kind of have to back up your ideas. When you have an idea, you have to show it. So in the writing process, I get to be the one who has all these ideas, and then David has to worry about whether they can be yeah. be done. But but it is like it's very similar to editing for me, and I do it with all the directors I work with. I'm very involved, very very early in the process, and it's also you start the editing, and you start because a big part of the editing is trying to understand what the idea of the movie is. And so if you start working together while you're writing it, you're already done a lot of the kind of the groundwork that you need to get the, done. The other night he was talking about his workflow with the director of Force Majeure and their, their next film. And I thought, I found it so inspiring, I will say, uh, uh. hearing it. It's really specific and it's similar in terms of where he's involved early on. Um, and I certainly, if I'm fortunate enough to have that type of partnership with him, uh, that's certainly what I'd strive for. Is there an overarching theme to the kinds of conversations that you have at that critical early stage in the process? Um, where if you were to come in at a film in post-production uh, already, just working with the footage you have, you would have wished you had those conversations. I mean, for me, for me, it's kind of the same conversation because the whole thing, you, you're kind of finding like, you constantly think you know exactly what the movie is about, but that can be many things. It can be like, you know what the plot is about, but what is it really, really about? So it's constantly trying, you have to talk constantly to find that exact vision, what is it really about? And then once you have that, you can make a lot of decisions. A lot of decisions become very easy and very obvious. And I think you have that conversation until the day you lock picture. Um, so it's kind of the same, for me, it's the same conversation you have a lot about. Okay, if this is really what it's about, then I think in this scene, it makes more sense that something like this could happen because then you are showing something that's related to what it's about instead of just telling plot. A lot of a lot of scripts are a plot and a lot of scenes are written in order to get from one place to another place and it's a way you have very few minutes on screen I hate like watching movies like every scene has to be a good scene you can't have a scene that's not a good scene that's a waste if it's just showing someone going from their house to the bank to rob it like make it a good scene make it about the theme of the film like try to make every scene something And that's what you end up struggling with in the editing. You can feel it when you watch like your cuts that there's just scenes that are like, You're what, are they, what are they doing here? Yeah. So is there anything else you guys want to add about the, the process of this film and your time here at Sundance so far promoting it? 
Oh, the, you know what? The one thing I would mention is Annie Clark. I think did an amazing job in this, and I think she could be one of the great film composers of like modern. I truly believe that's not an overstatement of like modern filmmaking. I think she's Johnny Greenwood or Trent Reznor or Atticus Ross. She's amazing. So I'm just I'm I'm excited to see these respective crafts, um, uh, men and women. Uh, they're all here. Um, so kind of watching the film together has been super rewarding. I agree. Annie is amazing. <laughs> um, did you work with Annie closely during the editorial process? She was there a lot, and she's clever. <laughs> yeah, she's, so, she has she cinema some... in her language. Like uh. Uh, She's an album where every song is inspired by a movie scene. Um, she She speaks... I mean, I'm actually seeing her directorial debut on Sunday. I've seen an early cut, but this will be kind of... I know she's worked on it quite a bit since, but she speaks cinematic language, and uh, yeah, she's she's true artist. And just one more thing, um, I was thinking about how Kristen's film is a political film, and one thing I've noticed so far, even though it's only day two of Sundance, um, the discourse on the ground here really seems to be people grappling with the idea of every film being a political film, and whether or not that's true. Um, and I think that there, everyone has many different ideas about those things. Um, so what have you guys found so far? Like her next project that is politically inclined, it was resonant three years ago when she wrote it, and now it's just particularly resonant. And I think it's just certain th themes um, uh, that, I don't know, find that repeat throughout history. It's just right now things are very heightened, and I think that, that it's easy to connect um, certain feelings that you see in movies to uh, our current state of affairs um, and it's hard not to watch any movie um, and not think about kind of what's happening outside the movies um, so I, I, I for me uh, uh, certainly here at Sundance the work I've seen thus far there definitely has I, I feel it like I do feel that uh, people have a lot to say right now and people do bring their personal context to the film like you were saying is sort of the intention with this film in and of itself you want people to bring their subjectivity into the room while they're watching it and with that comes political you know yeah well i think this movie to me i mean again it's everyone has their own particular response to it but what i've i, I like movies where when you watch them or, or books where when you watch them they make you feel less alone you know you, you say something that maybe to you seems weird in your head or is a vulnerable feeling but it, to me this was chris it's like when david foster wallace writes about depression or writes about something where to me Kristen found a way in a very specific cinematic way like it uses the form of movies to communicate a universal feeling that i think i'm hopeful that if other people are feeling it um, will respond to it and know that there's kind of a light at the end of the tunnel. Well, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate you talking to, thank to you. me today. I appreciate it too. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. Nice to meet you. Nice <laughs> to meet you. Okay. Thank you all for listening. If you haven't already, please do your duty and subscribe to the No Film School podcast on iTunes, where you'll hear more great interviews like this one every Monday and our Indie Film Weekly News show every Thursday morning. You can also visit nofilmschool.com to learn more about the craft of filmmaking.